Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Metallica turned into a circus actor. LA sucks! Can I say something that I think is bullshit? Dirt foolage? Yes, we sell out. He also told me he was on acid. Now you better wash that mic off. I was gonna fill it up with my own urine. Alcoholica. And I talked about digging a hole in a fucking dirt and smoking hash through the ground. There's all kinds of shit. Shower filled with women. Sit your ass down, Lara. Shoot a pair of woman's legs walking down the street. Eight women washing you down at once, you know. Come up here, Lars points to me. <laughs> see, he said there's Lima, see? And there he is, right there. And his skin is bubbling like I'm a toxic Avenger. Boyfriends and dads looking for me. Ten minutes? Sing along, fucking along, doing something the fuck along. Here we go! Hey, this is Chris Jericho Fozzi, and you're listening to And Podcast for All. Order me a cheese pizza, damn it! podcast for all i'm shane obershaw and i'm jeff winslow jeff i'm glad we are not physically sitting next to each other and we are speaking through a video conference because i don't i don't think you're going to be thrilled with me oh what happened i i basically dude i went behind your back i i kind of cheated on you today we're we're going to germany to talk to an amazing guest and you're just not going to be involved uh, well, on that note, I'm just going to have to sign off and walk away right now. 36 seconds, and your your work's done here for the week. I'm done. I'm just like Rex Quando, break the wrist, walk away. <laughs> do, you, do you think I go home to Starlet night because I'm wearing these? Forget about it. <laughs> you Is think I go home? Zubas? Yeah, he's wearing those American flag ones. He, th- he says, yes. you think I go home at, I think, wait, what did he say? Do you think Starla. I go home to Starlight at night because I'm dressed like Peter Pan here? <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want a roundhouse that, kick to the face while I'm wearing these bad boys. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> I love when he somehow like slaps Kip and he's like, "Cheese." Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Cheese. <laughs> and Starla looks like a steroided like American gladiator. Oh, yeah. We're like. She doesn't really, she doesn't have boobs anymore. They just turn into pecs. <laughs> pecs, muscles, nothing to do with injections, never. No, no, never. Peds are illegal. Nobody would take those. Doesn't he say something about using the buddy system? Uh, something like that, yeah. I'd have to I'd have to go back and watch that scene again. It has been a while, but man, there are some great one-liners from that scene. It'd be really nice if you could tow me into town. <laughs> yeah, give me a tow. <laughs> I think he says, pull me into town. Yeah. On yeah, that old fucking his, 10 speed. Yeah, as he's putting his rollerblades on. This might be the, what, the fourth episode in the podcast for all's career where we insert Napoleon Dynamite quotes? I'm sure, yeah. We don't even, tr- we don't even try this stuff, people. It just, it just happens. It just does. 
Here we are, season seven, episode three. We are off to Trier, Germany. St. Germany again, dude. I like Germany, even though I've never been there. I like their cars. I was just going to say it has something to do with BMWs or the Autobahn. Yeah, Nürburgring, you know, I want to drive around that as well. That's true. The speed limit is adjusted throughout the day based on conditions on a digital speed limit sign. Nah, speed limits. Who needs those? When we play a show over there, I think we're just going to take your BMW so we can just do what you want to do. We're not taking my BMW. We're gonna. Oh rent, yes, we are. We're gonna rent something much faster. Even though my BMW actually did come from Germany, the person I bought it from was in the Air Force and stationed in Germany. But no, no, we need to get something much, much better. Tesla. I mean, that that would be all right, but there there's not a lot of noise with that. We need something that makes a little bit of noise too. We don't need noise. The Autobahn's all about speed, bro. Speed, but I want people to hear me coming. That's true. But my car tops out at 180, then it, it's got a limiter on it. 180 down the Audubon, that's, you know, that's I'm sure there's got, there's got to be a limit somewhere. That's just a normal day in Germany. Yeah, yeah, just going to work. Germany is our second most downloaded country in a podcast for all history. Still? Yes. Wow, good for them. Love the St. Germany love. We are talking to the... Drummer tonight from a tribute band. Do you know? Do you know those type of animals? Uh yeah, I do know of a German tribute band called Metallica. Big fan. No, of I this. was asking if you know of you know the certain breed that are call themselves drummers in a Metallica tribute band. Oh, do I know of them? I mean, maybe we're special. Special Ed. <laughs> <laughs> when I check out other Metallica tribute bands. I have to say, we kind of put the grading glasses on. We put on the the Inspector Gadget hat and glasses and really look at them with a fine-tooth comb. Magnifying glass, make sure. Are yes. they doing things correct? And when I magnifying glass, that sounded horrible. When I take the magnifying glass up to my Metallica, it is very legit, very professional, very well done. We're talking about logos on the snare drum head. We're talking about... Danish flags and monkeys on the uh, left kick drum. Their cabs and have the the white and the black, and yeah, no, everything is cabs. Yeah, everything is done to a T. It's perfect. Very good visuals. And a little side note for you: I believe he has a green sparkle tama. Not many of those around. Ooh, that's still my favorite one. I'd like to. I'd like to get my hands on one of those. I'm not even a drummer, and I'd like to own one. Maybe I'll trade in the orange for the green, and then we can just play St. Anger in its entirety. Done deal. You know, I was thinking about it today. I wonder what Lars's next color is. It gonna is it gonna be like? Is it blue? Is it gonna be red? Hell, you know what I've I realized he, he's never had an all murdered out black kit. You would have thought That's true. You would have thought that for the black album and the anniversary and all of that, he would have done his kit up and got a black kit. Lars needs a badass murdered out drum kit. He's never had it. All murdered out, all black, or do you still go with the white shells with the black hardware like the black album? Oh, no, no. Already been done. Don't do it again. I know, but when you compare those two, that's that's still tough to beat. I'd say black shells, black hardware, black heads, just murdered out. Black tips on the ahead aluminum sticks. Mm-hmm. See? You don't want any you don't want anything showing. What about the symbols? Well, yeah, the symbols can be the normal color. 
I'm not talking. They do, they do color symbols these days. I know, but I remember back in the day, Joy Jordanson had those pasty black symbols, and they sounded like shit. Or well, Nico McBrain. Yeah, I know Nico has his that his signature mm-hmm. ride is badass, but those those Joey Jordanson freaking symbols they sounded terrible. It was like they literally just took a good you know decent quality symbol, covered it in black paint, which really fucked up the sound in my opinion. Two minutes to midnight. I played that on New Year's Eve at eleven fifty eight. Yeah, this past New Year's. Yeah. I think I sing Kurt Cobain better than I do Bruce. Uh, yeah, maybe. Bruce is tough. I'm not the only one. Yeah, I'm not the only. I mean, that's, that's... a lot easier than two minutes to, to midnight. midnight. I can't go high like that. That's ironic because what do you do for a living? You're high all the time. <laughs> I know, 40,000 feet and my voice is still in the Cobain era. The nitty gritty. I'm not going to sing about rape for the third week in a row. Yes, no. I talked no about more. rape me and then uh, last week with Arkansas Rise, there was way too much rape talk. I'm surprised the hate train inbox wasn't full from that because all of you know, yes, I was making a joke, but some people are a little too serious these days and you got to be careful. It's 2022. Everybody has an opinion. Remember our buddy Jason Garkowski from Dyer's Cleave? I do. He has an opinion to share with you based off of last week's episode. Oh, right. This isn't hate mail. This isn't hate train. We usually don't share just regular email messages. What would you call a regular email segment on a podcast for all? It's not the hate train, it's the freight train. <laughs> Coming your way. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we'll call this clover mail. Clo- yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the one that has leaves, though, because it's good. No no leaf clover, that's that's bad luck. Clover mail. It just, it, there's always, there's always first. Yeah. Random thoughts, Shane and Jeff. I know those guys. I've met one. You guys talking about 2x4 live instantly made me think of when James used to say 2x4 upside your head after they finished the song. <sighs> M2K Tour, they should bring that back. I totally agree with Jeff. I cannot stand Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, my dude. And I, and I don't get the whole obsession with the band Ghost. Oh, man. I think... I'm not the only one. <laughs> Jason's onto something here. He says their imagery is cool, but doesn't match their mediocre music. And Volbeat Jeff, while their first few albums are good, they really blow now. They really blow. Wow. How do you really feel, bud? And this is so directed at you. Avenge Sevenfold. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Not even worth talking about. Man, it's like we share the same thoughts. Like You and Jason have some Minneapolis-Cleveland little voodoo going on, I think. It's not voodoo. It's called common sense. We have ears. <laughs> he wraps up the message with Loverman, while not one of my favorites, so I think, I too do find myself putting it on a lot. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Let's chat again soon. Jason Garkowski. Well, thank you, Jason. Those were kind words. Definitely some clover mail. And who would have known? I mean, that's why you I gotta mean, that's why you gotta write in. Tell us your thoughts, your feelings. 
What would you do if you signed on one night and a member of Avenged Sevenfold or Rage Against the Machine is ready to have a chat with us? I have nothing against any of the guys in Avenged personally. From what I've seen in videos and heard from people I've met them, they seem like they'd be awesome guys and I probably would enjoy the hell out of their company. And honestly, I I don't hate Avenged as much as I used to. They're not the most hated band for me. Rage, on the other hand, uh, it, it, as long as it wasn't the singer from from Rage, I would be I'd be totally fine with talking to any of the other guys because I mean they were in Audio Slave and I absolutely love that band. So it's all about Zach De La Rocha. He's just kind of annoying to me because he doesn't sing or he just spits raps or lyrics or politics. All of the above. No, it has nothing to do with his rapping. And honestly, it doesn't really have anything to do with this politics. I just, I don't know. I feel like from what I've seen, and this is a probably a bad thing to say, but from what I've seen in videos and interviews, I just don't feel like I would necessarily get along with him. <laughs> but, you know, if he ever wanted to chat, I would honestly, I'd be more than thrilled to chat with someone. The guy's a legend. Let's face it, he is a legend, and his band has literally moved millions of people. So they obviously did something right. It's just not my thing. That's all. I think they're talented. That was the intro to Bob Track, if you're wondering. It was gross. I kind of missed some notes there, so I'm just going to stick to two minutes to midnight our guest is probably listening to you going all right what did i sign myself up for he's in germany going where are these dumbass americans talking about let's just get to my talica and and chat away about all things all things lars that's why you're not included in this chat because it's going to be the episode's going to be called oh duder <laughs> well lars ulrich overload you have two tribute band drummers drooling over equipment drum set set list and all things that's right you heard it folks two Lars's drooling over a little danish man (laughs) (laughs) whatever happened to my little danish friend we used to dig a hole in the ground and smoke when we were gonna (laughs) dig a fucking hole in the ground and smoke hash through it smoke hash through the ground through the ground i just missed my little Danish friend. And to think what he said that our friend Phil Toll was right there on the couch. He was right there. He heard the little Danish friend quote. I mean, that's oh, that's talk cool. about witnessing history. I want Phil to come back on. I think we need that Phil part two. I think I need some of Phil's wisdom in my life. Sometimes I feel like a child lost, wandering. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, dude, sorry for uh, standing you up. Sorry, sorry for lying to you. Sorry for cheating on you. Sorry for we don't need any guitar players. It's all about the drummers. Guitar guitar players just get in the way. Like, all you guys do is stand around and go, oh, wait, dude, I got to tune my guitar. You're making us sound like a vocalist now, just standing around taking up space. No, vocalists don't do shit and, no. and take up space, and all they have to do is hold a mic. They don't even unload or load a trailer. <laughs> but you guitar players are like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to rehearse Fixer, but let me... Let me tune for 90 seconds here before we can play it again. You're right. Guitar players aren't needed. All, all sorts of things. I don't know how I'm ever going to repay you, but it's it's time for a little Metallica chat with Mr. Stefan Zender. I'll see you next week, man. Sounds good. See you, dude. We never saw-
Dude, it's happening. Yeah. You got me up at nine in the morning. That's that's not very rock and roll, so I'm all discombobulated. I gotta make notes here. I gotta turn my phone off. Thanks again for coming on Podcast for All. When we met at the 40th, it it was like you're real. Yeah. Like, like you you actually exist. The same to me. <laughs> and, and this was uh, the same thing with you and with a lot of other people in San Francisco. It was like a big gathering of people you only see on social media oh dude he was awesome he lives he exists he's he's not this fiction you know this fictionist character (laughs) (laughs) no i was really happy to see you because i i noticed that you would be there so i was really happy that we that our path crossed well dude it was awesome all you all you saint germany uh people if you can believe this saint germany is our our second most downloaded country around the world for the show wow that's great yeah and there were a lot of green shirts running around green shirts green jackets germany flags everywhere chapter flags everywhere you guys you guys got it all covered it's impressive yeah and it was really great to meet everyone in san francisco all the people that we always see at our shows so it's it's like a really great big family meeting all right now jeff isn't here because Mm -hmm. Let's just be honest. Guitar players just get in the way of Lars having fun, right? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan, tell everyone what you do for a day job. Actually, I run music school. Okay. I'm the, the, the chef, the manager of a music school. I have four different locations where I have many teachers giving lessons. I was a drum teacher myself for more than 20 years. But uh, since two years, I only run the schools because my schedule was always too full to teach and play and run the schools. What, what kind of a music school? Uh, we are a school for rock and pop music. Okay. It's called Modern Music School. And we have locations here in uh, all over Germany. We also have some international locations. And I run four of the locations here in Germany. Holy cow. Four separate locations? Yes. Boy, that's got to keep you busy. Yeah. We, I have like around... 600 students all together so wow yeah that's a lot holy cow uh what ages well they're all age groups they start from six to seven and we have people coming in their 60s or 70s so everyone is welcome and we're not focusing only on people who already play we start with the beginners if they have fun with music they're very welcome and we try to give them the next step that they can use to be a better musician it doesn't matter how old you are or how good you can play Wow, that's awesome. So you can have a 60 or 70-year-old show up and say, hey, I used to play or I've never picked up a stick before and you guys take care of them? Sure. That's what we do. Correct. How many 70-year-olds show up and say, okay, I think I'm ready to play Freight Ends of Sanity? Well, actually, uh, I always had traumas in their 60s or 70 years uh, age group. So... They came sometimes and said, hey, I don't know how you do this, but I really like to watch you on stage. And they come to our shows and they are 
I'm more into maybe Beatles or the Stones when they were young. Sure. But they really, really like what I also do on stage with Metallica, and they really appreciate uh, what, what Lars is doing on stage because this is a, a full workout for the complete body. This is a good workout. I don't need a treadmill. I don't need a Peloton. Let's just let's just Correct. play battery. Let's just play battery and fight fire, and we're going to be in good shape, right? Was what I missed during the lockdown. <laughs> yeah, that makes two of us. Yes, I mean we were happy. We didn't. We always had shows. I mean we were not completely locked down here with the band, but I mean it was just a few shows where we normally play like four or five in two weeks. We only had like every second month a show. Yeah, we were going on the same boat, you know, before everything, before we knew what the word COVID was, our average shows were 45, 50 shows a year. Yes. And then I think you can, you can agree we're down to maybe a dozen or 15 a year right now to, to keep things going. But when you go from yes. 50 to a dozen, I, I put on 10 pounds a month and I feel like I can't play for three hours anymore. I understand what you mean. <laughs> It's tough. Let's talk about Mytalica. Did yes. You, did you form it? Are you one of the founding guys? The history of Mytalica is that um, I and some other guys played in a other uh, tribute band, and our bass player Martin, and some other guys played in, a, in another band. So we knew each other, and uh, after a while, things uh, happened, and we got together. So we needed a new singer, and they needed a new drummer, and so everything came together, and then. Out of two bands, it became one band. Nice. And, and it, over it, the last few years, we had a few changes in the lineup. Uh, and uh, But now we have a really great lineup with a great frontman, with Matty, with a great bass player, Martin. I like to play the role of Lars very much and Tom as a guitar player. And we also have a second uh, frontman because if Matty cannot do it, we play with Adam. He's the guy who was in the band before Matty joined. That's awesome. Strong line. So, but we don't go on stage as a five piece. We always play as a four piece. Gotcha. But technically, there's five guys available. Sure. That's, That's awesome. And what year did you put it together? What year? What year did it form? Uh, well, uh, we played together now since almost 15 years. Oh, wow. So, I started this like, um, yeah, 2005 and a few few years later we joined together and fusioned as a as one band it's funny i like came across you on social media i was like who's this guy that's got an orange thomas star classic there's there's not many <laughs> of those out there and then you know the the years go by it's like who's this guy that's got a purple thomas star classic i thought <laughs> there's only a handful of us and it seems like you and i have the same drum kits and they're posting yes. the same poses and yeah and it's funny to see that uh, we, we share the same passion it's, it's great oh i wouldn't have it any other way before the orange one, I also had the green one. Oh, you had a green sparkle? Yeah, sure. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I have the green, the orange one, the purple one, and I have the uh, the white Star Classic um, Art Star 2 set. Yeah, I, I didn't know you had a green sparkle. Yes, I, ha I have one. Well, you need to break that out more often, huh? Well, I played it before we were on social media, so... You, you need to break <laughs> that one out for your, for your St. Anger 20th anniversary. Sure, <laughs> I will. So different show, different set. I mean, I don't have them all stage ready. I use the same hardware for all the sets. Yeah. Uh, except for the for the Artstar two, I have now all black blackened hardware. But in general, I don't have everything completely ready for the stage. So I always need to decide which drum set is going to be my set for the next few months. 
Yeah, I'm in the same boat. The uh, the orange hasn't come out for a while. It's purple, and boy, to juggle two two or three drum kits that are up for show f- to be ready for a show would be pretty tough and expensive. Yeah, renew all the heads and everything. So, and I, I mean, I have a house where I can store all the drums, but I don't have cases for all the drums. So I always have to see what what's my road kit. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's let's get into the uh, let's get into the black album kit. Your your Tama Art Star Two. For all yes. you diehards, they're pretty familiar with what an Art Star Two is. For for all you guitar geeks like Jeff, that's why we left Jeff out of this episode. That is the infamous Black Album, wherever, nowhere else to roam, we may roam tour kit. How did how did this come about? How did you how did you put this together? Because that's something you just don't go to the store or uh, a website and order. Correct. So this was the drum set that always was most uh, impressing impressive to me when i was a young kid i mean i saw them on the on the black album tours i was at the final tour of the uh, final show of the tour in Werstadt 93 so this was stuck in my mind so and i always was looking for this kind of set but it, it was hard to find so and i saw some guys on, on, on social media on facebook who owned the set but they never would sell them and um, so there was another guy in the band here in germany he had this drum set, but he never used it with the four toms. He only had the mm-hmm. two toms in front and the two on the side. But I said, okay, if I would use it, I will, I will have it with the four toms, uh, for the four rack toms. Yeah, so there's that, only only one way to show it, right? Yeah. So, but he was willing to sell it, so I said, okay, give it to me. So, and he knew me, <laughs> and he knew that I would really use it very well, and so he 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 gave it to me. So, and then I used it with the four rack toms because that's what i need to show the, the the people because most of the metallica fans know this uh very iconic drum set sure sure i mean last played it with the two toms but only for a short period before he went on to the the, uh, the silver sparkle set but right but uh, the four piece uh, the, the six piece drums it was very much more used for many many shows for this very long tour so do you play toms one and four or are you just using kind of like two and three like you and I do today with like a current configuration? Please repeat. On the Black Album Kit, will you play tom one and tom four or do you just mainly stick to like two and three like ah, okay, okay. The, like the rack toms? Well, I, I switched my playing a little bit. Okay. Because I, I tried to uh, replicate what last did with the white uh, drum set. For example, in the nice. beginning of Creeping Death, he starts with the with Tom One. Yep. So I try to to use this into my playing, but in general, I, in the beginning, I thought it would be much more tricky to play because it's it's not as handy as to play the the, the smaller setup. Right. But it's not. I, it was okay for me to cross my arms a little bit more, and it worked out better than I thought because I was used to play with the two tr- toms in front of me, and I mean it's easier to have your hi hat and snare drum coordination than with the four toms but it was not as tricky as i thought and it and it's great you have you can hit everywhere and you always uh, have a drum to hit on you're always going to hit something when you've got four of them in front of you (laughs) instead of two right yeah but but that's what i did i i changed some things a little bit also the beginning of enter sandman where last goes with tom three and two um okay no with with the with the bigger tom and the higher tom nowadays yep and in the beginning with the with the white set he started with tom three and tom four with the left hand yes so i tried to do this with this setup so a little changes here and there 
That's cool. So depending on what kit you're using, you'll actually change up your configuration of how you play like the intro fill and creeping death. Correct. And cool. what I also, but I have a little thing that I did on my own. I kept the China symbol that he plays now for many, many years. So I have this next to my uh, rec tom number four over the floor tom. Because when he only had the, the, the one China symbol back there, it's not so easy to play the newer songs because he plays so many China symbols, in, for example, Fuel or whatever. So it's easier to have another shiner uh, symbol close to the floor tom do you use a remote hi-hat no okay i have my my, my shiner symbol there where he had the remote hi-hat okay gotcha but i used the three crash symbols on the right side and the two on the left side like he did before awesome man that's got to be fun to play when you and i grew up with that with that 91 92 93 binge and purge look and Definitely. What have you done to make it sound as good as a Star Classic? Well, actually, the drums sound really well. Okay. So I, but the Star Classic I played with uh, coded uh, heads, but I, here I used the, the um, pinstripe heads that Lars used back in those days. So for me, it's more authentic to play it with the pinstripes. They're totally authentic. A little drummer talk here. Are you using Are you using moon gels? Are you using O rings? What are you using to dampen some of it? No, I play it very open. Very open. So they're they very, very good to tune. So and, and everyone said, wow, they sound really, really big and really, really great. And yeah, I only have the pinstripe on top and the, the black ambassadors on the bottom. And that's it. That's, that's not easy to do. I think a lot of people don't know how hard it is to, do, to tune a drum kit, especially when you have four toms on the top that are so close in size. That's, yes. That takes a pretty good ear. Well... I think, I think it sounds good. Like I, I tune them. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> if you don't have to use an O-ring or a gel, and you're getting that big thunderous Justice Black album Tom sound out of it, that's that's impressive, man. But I have to give a big thank to our guy who's doing the the sound for us. He really knows how to handle any kind of drum. Good. So Danny is our sound guy, and he's really really good with this, and he really makes a really punchy. A bass drum sound and uh, the snare drum is really in your face and it's but it's not not overused i mean if you have too much drum set then it's not so nice for the audience it, it needs to be balanced out i've never heard a drummer actually admit that <laughs> <laughs> come on dude you're ruining our vibe we gotta we gotta be right up <laughs> no, front in the no, mix he needs to yeah yeah the, the snare drum is the loudest and the bass drum and everything no <laughs> yes the hi-hat should be the loudest instrument in the mix yes right? <laughs> Just like frayed ends. When the hi-hat's louder than the vocal, we know we've 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 succeeded. <laughs> so but well, I have to tell you one secret. Okay. If you really look close to my drum set, I don't need to tell it, but I tell you. Tom number four is not a rack tom. It's a floor tom. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. But, yeah, but I, I was short of floor uh, rack tom, so I, I used the, the floor tom as a rack tom. And what size, see it. what size is that? Well, it's 16 by 16 instead yeah. of 16 by 15. That's a normal floor time these days. Yeah. So, but I never found an, um, a matching 16 by 15. Oh, that'd be tough. That'd be, that'd be tough. real tough. And I know some people who own the, the, the original one, one of the 
25 that were, were sold back in the day. Yep. But, but they're not selling their sets. <laughs> I've come across a few and most of them aren't for sale and the ones that are for sale are so high priced it's ridiculous, but Yes. One one of these days, I think we'll we'll come across one. I was going to ask you, how do you prevent Tom three and four from rubbing on the kick drum? Well, actually, the the, the Tom holders are really really tight. So, I, I mean, I have them a little bit apart from the bass drums. Yeah, there's not much room there. No, it's not much room. So you have to really find the right angle that it's not too angled, that not but not too too high and. Um, Sure. It, it is big. I mean, if you sit behind it, it's it's all over the place. But I, I was really concerned in the beginning because you know I'm a I'm really a freak about my equipment. I don't want to have scratches, and I always want to have it as good looking yep. as possible. Yeah. So and I always thought about oh the oh, Tom three and four, but seriously, we play. I played it now like thirty times, maybe nothing happened yet. That's good. The the couple times I've seen Lars's actual Art Star Two yeah. up close, that kick drum, it's like, man, couldn't you just raise that up two yeah. two inches or so? It's like, the, I know he played four hundred shows on it, but there's so much wear and tear from that Tom three and four rubbing on yes. on the main kick. I was like, I don't, I didn't know if the hardware for your Tom holders was different than what he had, but good to know you took care of your took care of your baby, dude. But maybe it's from uh, just leaning over the toms like you always did. <laughs> that could be when you stand up on it and lean over and yes. play the solo 400 times. Yeah, it's not from playing. It's from uh, leaning it's, over it. It's from being Lars, right? <laughs> I think so. What's the matter, man? I don't think James can keep up with me, huh? So, but... Yeah, I always wanted to have it, and this is the closest that I could uh, make it. And uh, I really like it. And what I was always telling people who uh, owned these, I said, okay, if you give me one of these, mm-hmm. I will bring it to the stage. I will not have it at, at my storage at home because I want to share it with all the other people. Right, And right. that's what, when we play, people come and ask if they can take pictures with the drum set because this is so great to see. I mean, it's not played by Lars, but it looks like it, so... It's great for the people. And so sometimes I'm a little bit the missing link between the band and the fans. And so they come like with your shows. They come to the shows and, and are really um, yeah, enthusiastic about the equipment and everything. And they really like that we show everything to them. Yeah, that's... And give it to them. That's that's what it's about, sharing it with people that maybe don't get to see it as much as you and I do. And when they get to bring their kid to the show and get up behind the drum kit and take a picture or... Yes. You know, we've got various stage props from over the years, too, that people love taking pictures of, and I never thought it would be that much of a hit, but it's fun to share it. It's it's fun to get kids involved. It's fun to have people take a selfie with the Danish flag and the monkey hanging off the toms, and I, I notice you've got that as well. Yes. Sometimes I use the, the monkey, sometimes not. Sometimes I have the flag, but sometimes I use flags from the cities that we play in. Oh, that's cool. Yep, because I mean, Lars had his Danish flag, but if you play, for example, in Hamburg, I have a flag from the from the city of Hamburg. Great idea so, to connect with the people. Absolutely. How did you get all the black hardware, all the black symbol stands? <laughs> should I tell you the truth again, or should I, should I tell you something? <laughs> <laughs> the whole world's learning your secrets, dude. Yes. So okay, I tell you. Uh, actually, they are not Tama stands, except for the booms, because I mean. Mapex has really good black hardware available. So the, the oh, symbol okay. stands are Mapex stands, 
and they fit together with the with the uh, Tama booms. So I have the Tama booms blackened with okay. their lacquered. Not air, uh, not um, um, so I had a guy here who's doing a car parts. So and I, he could do this uh, for me. So he oh wow took them yeah and he took them and they, they are black lacquered. Is this the correct word? I don't know. Uh, like powder coated. It's not powder coated, but it lacquered. Yes, lacquered. So an automotive shop did that for you? Because these pieces were so small, they they, they said, okay, we go with, with lacquering and not with powder coating. So the legs... But it was hard to find someone to do this because of the small pieces. Oh, absolutely. That's tough. I went to different uh, guys and they said, no, this is too much small pieces, too many small pieces. We don't do this. We only do wheels, the rims for the cars. Oh, but... the rims, yes. Yeah, yeah. So the stands... And the legs are Mapex, but the boom arm is a Tama. Correct. That's impre- That's that's some serious work to be done there, dude. But, but it was easier to do it like this than to have all the hardware blackened. Because then it would be sure. even much more expensive. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and if from from a, from from like two meters apart, you don't see it. No, even the pictures and the close-ups I see, it, I wasn't able to tell the difference. So, but psh- don't tell no one. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> in, in podcast for all first, don't tell the world that we have Mapex legs. <laughs> uh, what are you rocking for a snare drum? Well, actually, I have uh, many uh, snare drums to choose from. Um, I have two of the Chrome, Lars Ulrich snares, but I also have two of the black ones. Mm-hmm. I also have the, the, the latest 30-year edition. Nice. But I also have an Artwood snare drum that I also like to play with the with the Artstar 2 set because it fits more to the look to the Artstar 2 set. So I switch sometimes between the Plex snare from the latest uh, 30 anniversary edition or the white art wood snare. How's the white? That wood I also had blackened. That's all also had the hardware blackened with the with the white snare drum. Yeah, I noticed that. How does the white wood one sound? I like it. I like it. It's it's a little bit more a wood kind of sound, but it's also cutting through. Mm-hmm. I really like the balance between the drums and the snare. Dampening that as well? No. Everything's wide open. Yes. What about the kicks? Well, they're just little damped with little um, pieces in there. What's your secret for inside? No secret at all. I normally use standard bass drum pillows that you can order 16 yeah. by 18 inches. Every every Everyone asks me how I've perfected the Justice kick tone and... It's, it's it's been years of kind of tweaking, but it's basically pretty simple. Like yours is like a really really small kind of like a couch or a recliner pillow. Mm-hmm. Both ends of the pillow barely touch either head. Yes, is that what you're using? Yeah, yeah. And so actually, I used them for the, these kind of pillows for for many years in all my different drum sets. So and I really like them because they have a really nice sound. But but like you said in the beginning, you need to know how to to tune the drums. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, you need to know how to tune the drums, and then you can get a really great sound of a drum if you know how to how to to tension your heads. Absolutely huge. Are you using pinstripes on the kicks. Yes. Remo pinstripe. Yes. I have a, a little um, how is it called Phelum on it that uh, where you where the beater goes. The sticker that you get with the with the with the Remo pinstripe heads. Oh sure, yeah, the impact circle. Yes, that's it. Big difference. I always try to use them also to, um, yeah, 
that the that the heads are not are not going to break so soon, but it always gives a very nice sound also. And I noticed you got custom Metallica logoed snare heads. Yes, because I like to um, have my own little design there. There you go. I love it. And yeah, like Lars always has Metallica on his snare with the different um, uh, logo styles. I started to do this uh, some years ago, yes. Sometimes I have them printed. Sometimes it's only a little adhesive. So it's different ways to do this. And people notice these kind of things. And that's oh, what I like. <laughs> absolutely. That's the things that people want pictures with and say, oh, yes. look at that. Look at this. Look at that. Oh, I love the detail. It, it, it all adds up in the end. That's what uh, also um, Jimmy Clark said when he met me first. I met Jimmy I'm in the last drum tech. Um, Good dude. Nine, yeah, it's a great guy. Hello, Jimmy, if you hear this. It's always great to meet you. Good dude. Uh, and uh, I met him first in uh, the, on the on the last tour in 2019 here in Germany when we played with Metallica, the pre-show parties in Cologne and Munich at the Hard Rock Cafe. There were pre-show parties with all the black ticket holders and uh, there were really great events. Cool. And Jimmy was also there at both shows and he came to me and said, hey, you're doing a great job. And cool. your drum set looks really great. And uh, I, I'm a, f a little freak with this kind of things. I always have my cables really uh, rolled and everything, so I don't have a mess around my drum set. It's always really tight and clean and everything. And people notice, and he also noticed, and he said, wow, this is really a good job. Absolutely. And so we got in touch, and um, yeah, it's always great to meet him. Uh, and I saw him also in San Francisco, um, and yeah, he always tells me some insights and details, and it's, it's great to have... Uh, some nice talks with him. Nice guy. Down to earth doesn't come any cooler than that. When yeah. you talk about your cables being in a certain way, I'm, that's what I call being a cosmetic freak. <laughs> but it's clean. Yes, it's, and, it's and totally different. And things are hidden, and you don't have mic cables draped over, or over toms or wrapped around cymbal stands. And when you look at a lot of, you know, 40 years worth of Lars's kit through the, through the ages, he, he yeah. was a cosmetic freak from the beginning. And you don't see mics in the way you don't see cords in the way you don't see cables you don't you don't see yeah. stuff it's there's an art to it and a lot of people don't appreciate how much is hidden by a drum tech to to make it look just like a regular kit and i also have uh tobias he's my drum tech and he is also working with us uh, for the video show that we use on stage and uh, yeah he has some <laughs> some clear uh um um I always tell him what he needs to do with the cables so that they really look great. <laughs> and but, but awesome. it's totally different. If you take pictures of a drum set that's really cleaned up, it, it looks completely different than if you have messy cables all over the place. For example, with the white one, I have the, the rack tom cables going outside of the bass drums that if you look to the bass drums, you don't see the cables on the inside that is that are more facing to you in the right. picture. Oh, it looks sharp. Every picture you've posted is is sharp. I've always noticed that detail in there. It's very impressive. And thank you for noticing. Yeah, absolutely. Stefan, tell us a little <laughs> bit about the, the video show. Yes. Well, we have a very special video show, and this is custom-made. I think you saw it on uh, one of uh, one or two of our videos, maybe from the, from the chapter day screening that we did. Well, we have custom-built speakers. They look like normal speakers but they have LED systems built in. So where the guitar cabinet would be rather than Mesa Boogie or Marshall, that's all video? Correct. So we can go through all the history of uh, Metallica, 
and show all the different amps and uh, speakers. And we have, um, yeah, pretty much of their used um, uh, visuals. We have them sometimes uh, from, from example, from one, we have the, the, the soldiers coming in at the end from one, or we have some awesome. visuals like, like fuel or whatever. So and it's really, yeah, given the, the, the audience a little bit more Metallica feeling than only playing. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's very nice for them to see all the visuals like Metallica is using them on stage. Does every and this song. is very special because no one has these custom-built LED speaker systems because they're unique. Oh, it's very unique, so creative. Does every song have its own image for it? Most of them. Okay. Most of them, yes. So sometimes we use the logo. Of, sometimes we use the, the concept of the album. Sometimes we use what Metallica uses on stage as a visual, so it depends on, on what to show. So if you have like a 20... What's your usual set list? 20, 25 songs? Well, actually, we, we play like 20 songs, yes. Okay. Because normally here in Germany, a show is like two hours, maybe two hours and 15, and then there's a curfew. If you play with two other bands, it's a little shorter set list, but normally we play like two hours and around 10 minutes, something like this. Sounds familiar. So if you have a 20-song set list, is there maybe 15 different images on the screens? Yes. And what we did now for the last half of a year for example we we played through the complete 40 year history and we started with hardwired and we ended with seek and destroy so we went completely through the history like metallica did it on the 30th anniversary shows i was just gonna say night two they totally copied you yes they copied us <laughs> <laughs> so we tried to put uh, the songs in a direct uh, in an order that they are like a normal show with a fast opener with the, the catchy song number two and the and the and the ballad in the in the right spots and everything, so we came up with a really cool set list that I think that covered all the albums and uh, went from the latest to the first. I want to get back to this the uh, the video production. What's one of your favorite images or videos that are going across the screens? Well, uh, I think the, the the one images are really really great, and I mean everyone knows this, and when. Um, a landmine explodes and then the skulls turn to the to the to the red ones. It's a really impressive moment. But I also like, for example, fuel wears a lot of action with the with the with the, with the machinery and the images of a of a machine going on there. Kind of like from through the never. Yes. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So and then you have the the steam coming, the flames coming up in one part and the other part. Everything is in circles again. Cool. Do you play your click? Uh, no, I, we don't play to a click. I mean, for me, this kind of music is so... Um, it's, 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 it's living, it's, 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 it's flowing, it's not, it's not dance music. Right. For me, it doesn't need to be on a click. I mean, it, sometimes the chorus is different than the verse, and in between, you have to lay it back a little bit for the, for the next part. So, no, no click. I was just asking, because you explained the, uh, when the screens turn red with the landmine. Who, is there somebody that cues that? Do you have a crew yes. member that cues that? Okay. Yes. So we try to find out how to to play the right tempo for a, a complete track, but it's easier if someone goes with the cue. <laughs> right? so, so, I, yeah. no, no, I yeah, totally but, agree. So I know some other bands, for example, who, who play uh, Rammstein music, so where they have everything completely from the beginning till the end. All programmed. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, we play completely open and... Sometimes we play the songs a little faster, sometimes a little slower, like Metallica does. I mean, it's also kind of 
um, yeah, coming up from the intensity with the audience and everything. And I think the songs from Metallica can really breathe. They don't need to be uh, on a click tempo. But I mean, sure, you have to play tight. You have to. I have to play tight with the with our uh, rhythm guitar section and everything. I have to play tight with with Matty and also with the vocals. Everything needs to be tight, but it doesn't need to be on a click. For, for, that's my opinion. Uh, I like to play with a click, but I don't need to. My three guys have been pushing for it for years for all our cues and lighting and pyro and all that. And I've absolutely said, there's no way you can play Lars if you're that yes. focused on a click for two hours. It's impossible. Correct. Yeah. I, I completely say the same thing. I mean, it's a part of entertaining with, the, with playing the drum set. Right. So it's not only playing as good as possible to a dance music song. No, it's, it's something else. We got started. Everyone out band. there, you should always practice with a click and a metronome. <laughs> Coming from the teacher of the year, yes. right there. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, what would you tell me playing for thirty-one years and I've never practiced to a click? How bad? How, how bad of a habit is that? Well, actually, I think you played to a click. You may, maybe didn't realize it when you play to original songs. Did you ever practice with an album? All the time as a kid. So this is like playing with a click. All the time as a kid. But now it's like if you put a click on and it was only a click and told me to play, I would last 20 minutes. (laughs) Well, the thing is, the best thing is to see the click as your really good musical friend. And not he's not against you. He's with you. He's supporting you. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, playing with a click is like synchronizing the brain. I mean, if you play with other musicians together, you also have to synchronize the brain. Right. So, and it's the same thing. If, if you know how to fast the click is and if you know how to count, um, yeah, things will come together. And I had one uh, one guy here, he came to drum lessons because he knew me playing with Vitalica and he came to many shows. He was at least 15 shows over the last few years. But then one time he asked me, hey, why do you play the Metallica song so good? And I said to him, because I don't pr- practice playing Metallica, I, pra- I practice playing the drums. So then I th- then he thought, okay, hmm, maybe there's a little truth in this. I mean, if you know how to play the instrument, then it's easier to play songs. But um, you also have to combine learning your instrument and playing songs. If you only learn an instrument without any music, it's for nothing. But if you only play the songs and you don't have the basics together, it's it's not so easy to go to the next song. But if you have the basics create, create together, it's always easier to go from one song to another because the basic stuff is already there. Very well said. How, what, what age did you start playing? Well, I started uh, a little late. I was like 14 when I started. Okay. I always wanted to play drums. But back in the day when um, I turned 50 last year, so I'm not so young anymore. Um, when I started, there, was not, there were no music schools. I couldn't really go somewhere to, to learn it. So we only had like a little uh, orchestra in our little village where I lived in, in our town. Sure. So I, but I had to play trombone because I needed someone playing trombone. <laughs> so, but I always <laughs> looked to the drummer. I wanted to play drums, so, but they didn't need a drummer. So I pretty much started to play then on my own. I had my first band with some friends. When I was like 15, we started to play and get together and uh, Really soon, we already played some shows. We played some some early stuff like songs from Saxon. We, we tried to play Master of Puppets. It was something like Master of Puppets in the beginning. <laughs> something close. Sounds yeah, familiar. Some, yeah. 
So, um, I mean, I played before I really knew how to, to play. But then I really took lessons and then I became uh, more a schooled drummer. But I, I always tried to, to put uh, two worlds together, learning an instrument and playing the music that I really like. And we all know that Lars has a very unique approach to arrangements and drumming. And it's sometimes not so easy to play the songs if you are too uh, focused on, on, the, on your learned stuff because it's not only always 4-4 four, four time. It's not only always 4 or 8 bars. Sometimes there's bar number 9 and sometimes it's 6-4 and sometimes it's 7-8. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but you, didn't, you don't really notice it in the beginning. For example, if you take a song like Plekant, it changes in between. You really have to know a little bit how to do this. I mean, you can try to play without knowing, but if you know a little bit about the theory, it's much more easier to, to, to talk to your guitar player and say, okay, check out when we go to the pre-chorus. It's, it's easier to communicate if you know a little bit about these kind of things. I agree. When when you're playing Blackened or, or Battery or spit out the bone are you thinking about time signatures and theory or are you just thinking live metallica setting and 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 capturing everything that he's doing are, are you thinking four four six eight seven eight cut time or are you just thinking we're, we're playing lars here well uh, i mean when you start to rehearse you have to think a little bit more in uh, terms of uh, different time signatures and everything but if it comes to performing you have to perform the song but um, I can switch very easy be be between thinking and uh, and playing. So for me, it's not so tricky to have to to the feel to come back three four. So I can also go to the counting again. So sometimes I really use this because, for example, with Blackened, if it switches in the in the part uh, in, the, in, the, in the middle section, mm -hmm. there's like a six four and a, uh, a six and seven six and seven. So it's for me easier to count, okay, six and seven, six and seven. Mm -hmm. And then I, it always gives me a little bit more security to play it and not only to focus on the riff of the guitar. So that's what I like to do. So it's for me like a little um, yeah, security, so to say. But when it comes to the part, are you going one E and a two E and no. a three? Or are you going da 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 Yes, I go with like... <laughs> that, make, that makes two of us. Yes, it's you know it's funny when you when you when you hear Metallica themselves talk that they have no idea yeah. what signature it is. They have no idea what cut time is. It's just this is what we went for. This is the feeling. This is what felt better. And if you told me to read this on sheet music, I have no idea what we're looking at. Yeah, that's you the you impressive know what, part. You know what always drove me crazy when I was younger. If you listen to uh, Fight Fire with Fire, I couldn't even tell if the snare was on the beat or on the offbeat. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So, so it doesn't matter. It's just go through it. <laughs> and in my opinion, it's off, except the last eight measures of the song, then it's on. Maybe. <laughs> So I was always wondering how. That's they, what makes it fun, though. Yeah, yeah. But I was, but how did they do this? I mean, somehow you. Have, I mean, James Hetfield really, really is really good in feeling the offbeat. For example, in the beginning of, for example, um, 
whiplash. Dum, 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 dum. When he mm -hmm. counts in, so he always knows where the beat and the offbeat is. Mm -hmm. If you have not so musical uh, musicians in your band and you only play bum, 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 so it can switch around. And sometimes they don't know, oh, where's the beat and where's the offbeat? True, so my true. Headfield, is, headfield is so sure about the groove and the feeling. Very true. Very That's good observation. Yeah, I, I saw them also playing. I was on stage a few years ago when they played the big four shows here in Europe. And I noticed how tight Hetfield's right hand is giving the timing. And last place with the with the tight right hand with uh, from, from 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 James. It's funny you say that. Did I say Lars's hand? No, Hetfield's hand. I did not say Lars's right hand. I said Hetfield's. James's. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you bring that up. The times that I've talked to Jimmy about technical stuff, he says Lars's mix is all it is is Hetfield's guitar. It's That's just, what that was what I was thinking when I when I heard this just on stage. Crazy, Jimmy. Jimmy had Lars the same mix for like mm -hmm. the first couple months that he was on the job, and he finally went to the monitor guy and said, "I need to hear the entire band. I can't hear Lars mixing work because all it is is Hetfield's guitar. There's no vocal. There's no bass. There's no Kirk. It's just like, yes. man, that's weird. What do you have in your mix? Well, I have pretty much have uh, everything down. I have everything down, but it's not too loud. So I'm sure I need. I need the, the, the rhythm guitar, but I also need to hear the, the lead guitar and the vocals. I don't have too much drums in there because I sit so close to the drums. A little bit of drums, that's enough for me. Yeah. Do you have so more? I'm not, I'm not a guy who only has a poof, poof in, in, in my head because no. they are there. So sure, you need to hear everything a little bit, but I don't overdo it. going to go back to uh, when you brought up Fight Fire. Have you noticed over the last couple of years how Fight Fire has changed in there's a point where they almost skip a note. Have you noticed that? Well, um, many songs changed a lot over the last years. They have, but I'm just saying there's a part, <laughs> there's a part in Fight Fire where there's cymbal crashes during the regular verse, during the regular verses that he skips. And I think only a drummer would pick up on. There's actually notes that have been left out lately. Well, I need to listen to this again because I did not really realize this. But I need to to listen to it again. Or pick or pick a song that you know has has changed, or there's been some some parts actually left out, like a an actual note is missing. The beat doesn't change, but there's notes that are missing now. Well, uh, for example, I mean, if you take "Sad but True," last place is completely different with the snare in between. Mm -hmm. So, I mean. I, st I stick more to the original recording version. So what I always do, I always try to find a mix between what lasted over the last 20 years, also combined with what he did on the recording. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I think he's, he's a little far away from the original recordings. I like it. I like that he improvises because he came from a musical jazz kind of environment through his father's uh, uh, house. But I mean, sometimes he's a little bit away from it. From the from the original versions, so and I always try to f to find a good balance between what what he's doing on stage now, combined with what he did on the recordings. 
For example, when it comes to one, uh, before the double bass section, there is this duck, 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 duck on the snare. So I play this mm -hmm. because he did it now for 20 years. Mm -hmm. But before he did this, I did the other beat turning around thing. It depends. Sometimes I do a little bit more the old style. Sometimes I do a little bit more what he's doing right now. Just like when he says he's never played Sanitarium the same twice. I think so. That <laughs> also there, he's also very far away from the original versions right now. And sometimes the fans very. say, "Hey, I like more what you do because you stick a little bit more to the original recordings." But this is not a bad word against Lars. I really has have so much respect, and I really appreciate what he did. But sometimes the the people say they like it a little bit more that I play a little bit more like the original recordings were. What would you say is your top five favorite songs to play live? Well, actually, I always love to play, for example, Fade to Black. It's a great song. Um, I really like how the intensity builds up. And I really like the double bass ending. That's really, really what I like. I like to play Battery. It's a really nice in-your-face song. I also like to play Master of Puppets. But, um, yeah, I also like Enter Sandman. I mean, it's... It's not the tricky song, but it's great to have the audience coming up and giving you the energy. I mean, right. I also like to play easy songs because then you can focus a little bit more on oh, who's there and oh, you're there. <laughs> you don't need to be focused on your playing all the time. Right. I know some some drummers don't like this at all. They always need new songs. It, it needs to be as difficult as possible. That's not with me. I really like a song that's not too easy, but it shouldn't be too tricky. If it's somewhere in between, you have to think a little bit what's next, but you can enjoy your playing and you don't be too focused all the time. Do you guys play Injustice for All? Right now, not, but uh, we played it over the last years, yes. That's a song where you, you can't really have fun with the crowd because you're focused on 10 minutes worth of material, right? Yes. Okay. How many times comes this part? Okay. Then after three <laughs> times, then comes this. Oh, no. This is only three. Three, four. Then, okay. No, yeah. That's, that's how it is. Yes. That's yeah. You can't interact with many people because you got a lot of numbers going on in your head of parts. Yes, I, I hear you, well, man. I mean, sometimes we—it's maybe the same with you. We try to find a great set list, but it's not so easy. If you play two special songs, most of the audience don't like it. But if you only play the hits, the real uh, die-hard core fans—they say, "Oh, you only play the hits." So you, you always need to try to find a balance: what's good for the audience and what's good for you for you as a band. I think it's one of the hardest set lists in the industry to write. I think so. And even with the 40th anniversary show, I mean, some people liked it and some people didn't like it so much. So you cannot make it uh, for everyone. What would you say is your top five rarest songs, your your deep cuts that you play? Um, we played, uh, for example, My Friend of Misery, uh, if, and, and that's a really great song. And I also like to play, for example, Until It Sleeps. Nice. I mean, they show more a little bit the other side of Hatfield. Um, very underrated. Yeah, they're really under, very underrated. But I also, uh, I really like to play The Thing That Should Not Be. We did this some years ago. It was really fun to play this one. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy a lot of the different songs. And I, I really like the fast ones because I like fast playing and double bass playing. But I also like the more groovier ones. So, yeah, it's a big, big mix of everything. Will you use a, when you're playing sleeps, will you swap your ride symbol out with the china or is it just below the china? No, I, I, I swapped it. 
Tobias, who is who's doing uh, my my uh, his my little tech, so to say, so he's building up and tearing down the drums with me, and also running the video show that like I said before. He always brought me the the right symbol, and then we changed it, and then he gotcha. did it away again. Gotcha. Because I don't want to have too much over there, so and I try to keep it as clean as possible, and that's why I changed it, not have had an extra symbol there. So when when the right symbol was there at the 40th anniversary show, I thought first they would play until it sleeps, but then they started with Fixer. You weren't complaining, were you? I was not complaining. <laughs> it was <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Jeff and I always talk about this. Do you think that was a one and done thing, or do you think we'll ever hear it again? I don't know. Maybe it was only for one show. I should have asked you this in the beginning. Uh, yes. What age did you discover Metallica? When was your first show? Uh, well, my first show was in 1988 when they were on the Justice Tour. Awesome. So like I said, I uh, I was born in 71, so I was like uh, 60, 70 when they were here for the for this tour. Awesome. And yeah, and since then I always went to the shows. So I, I, were, I mean, I'm not like a hardcore show collector. I mean, there are some guys who went to 150 shows. Mm -hmm. So I was maybe like 40 shows over all the years. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I saw every tour. I was on some special shows. I was at, for example, at the uh, Hardwired release show in, in London. I was, like I said before, '93 and the final show of the of the Nowhere Else to Roam, wherever we may roam anymore tour. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're at that I, final show. Yes, I was at the final show. Very cool. Is that when they had the crew come out at the on the last song for So What? Yes. Okay. So, and I'm also on the on the video that uh, is released on the Black. Box special edition. There's one one little section where you can see me in the front row saying, "Sing and destroy." <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, but I, I also saw them when I was living in uh, LA. I lived when I was like 25, 24, 25. I lived one year in LA. I was at, at a music school there in Pasadena okay. at the Los Angeles Music Academy, and I saw them playing at the Forum. Uh, I was at a release show from uh, Death Magnetic when they played here in, in Berlin, in Germany. And yeah, I was on stage with them. I was in the Snake Pit a few times. I had a meet and greet with uh, the band uh, two years ago on on 2019 when they played here in Cologne. Awesome. Uh, but it was without James. It was the meet and greet that you can win uh, from the fan sure. club. So sure. at last, uh, and Kirk and James were there. And it was really fun to talk to them. And uh, they really liked the name Metallica and uh, oh, it's a great name. And uh, I was the only one who didn't have Metallica stuff to sign, so I had Metallica stuff to sign. I had a poster. <laughs> they probably appreciated that. And then they liked it. And I had a, a picture of me in a Lars Ulrich pose uh, as a as a as a banner as a flag, and I had this to sign. And then Lars asked me, hey, "Is this a present for for me?" And I said, uh, "Kirk and Robert already signed it, so I would like to take it with me if you sign it." And <laughs> But He's then trying I met to steal him your own gift. <laughs> but then I met him again uh, two months later when they played in Munich. And I had the, the, this banner again with me. And I met him again and I gave it to him. And now he has also one of these. Very cool. For, for him. Did you guys talk, yeah, much, and, and, talk much drumming in the meet and greet? A little. Because here's one thing that he uh, was, uh, I reminded him. Um, I was the only one who ever gave last drumsticks in a show. You know, he always gives drumsticks away after the show. So, and uh, I got uh, the first 25 years, I never got a stick. But a few years uh, back now, I got my first stick when they were here in Cologne 2017. 
So, and I thought, okay, I need to do this in the other way because I have my Metallica sticks and I thought I need to get my sticks into the concert and give it to Lars. So I went to the show in Mannheim here and I had the sticks with me and I was like playing air drumming in the, in the, at the rail in the front row and Lars noticed me and then he pointed at me and said, hey, what are you doing here? Then he came down to me at the rail and uh, I said, hey, this is, here's a stick, it's a present for you. Ah, okay. He couldn't really realize that it was a stick with my telecom on it because it's only a little print and he That's had no cool, glasses dude. on. Cool. <laughs> and so I, I gave him a stick and um, he brought me after the song one from, from his stick. So and, uh, and he, when I met him at the meet and greet, he said, hey, you are the only one who ever gave me sticks. So That's this cool, was dude. my special, my special moment. <laughs> that is special. That's creative, though. That's really cool. He digs that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you've got the black. Are they the uh, head ones? Well, actually, I have a wood stick. Okay. But it's it's a black stick with a with a wood tip, and it's, it only says Metallica on it. Because I I played I played a head sticks a few years ago, but after I broke some China symbols, I went back to the <laughs> that, <laughs> wood. That, that makes two of us, but don't tell anybody. That is awesome. Hey, I was going to ask you that uh, when you're in LA at that forum show, what year was that? Uh, Ninety six. Okay, low 96. tour. Yes. Yes, Very yes. Cool. when they had this guitar-shaped uh, stage, something like guitar stage. Yeah, when they had the stunt with the guy coming, falling down. Yeah, the, uh, the cutting stunts. <laughs> yes, correct. You're in L.A. for a year, so you came over to the States to teach and then went back home? I came to study at a, at a music school. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. I studied there uh, for one year. It was a one-year program, and it was really cool to live in uh, Pasadena, really nice little place outside of L.A., and I really like to see all the LA music scene. You know, I'm a big fan of music in general. I also went to many jazz shows and not only metal. So I'm I'm open to everything. So, But it was really great. I, I met people like Dave Lombardo from Slayer there and uh, I'm, I'm still in touch with him. So every time he played here in Europe with Slayer, he invited me to shows. Oh, cool. And that's, that was the reason I was on stage with Metallica at this Big Four show because I was invited from Dave Lombardo at, uh, the, at the Slayer show and then we could stay there and uh, also see the Metallica show from from stage. That is really cool, hanging out with Lombardo. Yeah. So he was uh, given a, a workshop here at our music school, like 95 or something. And then we got in touch. I was still uh, taking lessons at the music school, so but I got in touch with him. And then he said, yeah, if you ever come to L.A., just let me know. So I thought, okay, I will never see him again. So But then I went to L.A. I was at the, the Whiskey at the show. I can't remember who played Fear Factory or someone. And then someone clapped on my shoulder, said, hey, Stefan, you're here. And I looked around, it was Dave Lombardo. So then he gave me his phone number, said, hey, give me a call, you can come and hang at my place. So we always went there with a few other students and we played at his big drum sets. It was the time when he played with Grip Incorporated. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he invited us wow. to the shows and everything. I was, yeah, it was always great to see him. Uh, the last time I saw him was like three or four years ago when he was here on tour with, I think it was with Dead Cross, or suicidal tendencies. I, yeah. So every time he's around here and it's possible for me, I go to his shows. Did you ever get to play with him or jam together or have a yeah, drum off in, together? We played in his garage. <laughs> that, that's pretty cool, man. Not many people could say they've done that. Yeah. Big Slayer fan? Yes, I was always a big Slayer fan also, yeah. So when I grew up, I was into, like I said before, Metallica, Slayer, everything that was happening in, back in the mid of end of the 80s. Yeah, but I also like I also like, for example, uh, I don't know, 
Tommy Lee, Mötley Crew I also liked yeah, the glam stuff because it was entertaining. It was a big show, rolling drums. I mean, this was unbelievable. Absolutely, man. A lot of I, I get flack for the Motley Crew. Jeff gives me a hard time, but <laughs> totally with you, Stefan. That that big production, over the top arena rock kind of show. I've I've always loved Tommy's playing. Yeah, and for example, I also was influenced by drummers like Cozy Powell or. Um, Tommy Eldridge, who played with White Snakes, or was like kind of stuff. So they all came up with this, and I mean, I really like this. So it's show drumming and everything. So, so but then came the more intense metal stuff. Though all the thrash bands came up, so I really liked this a lot. And um, yeah, I always liked intense music, but it can also be in different styles. I also like intense jazz music, or I also like intense classical music. So, yeah, I'm open for everything. Are you a Danny Carey fan? Yes, I saw Tool uh, also a few times. I remember being at a Tool show, and the first thing I noticed was only that my trousers were like... <laughs> when they started with the bass. <laughs> so like, that was the beginning of the show, and I was like, wow. So, yeah, I really like uh, also what he's doing on stage. So he has numbers in his sets all the time. Yeah, that's that's. It's all about numbers. <laughs> that's a whole different world of keeping track of where you're at in a song. That's numbers. <laughs> a lot of homework, and yeah, that's that's a whole different world than Metallica. There, but I really like I really like them. I really like the style. Between Metallica and you know your business, how many hours a week are you playing? Well, actually, when I was teaching, I played a lot every day. But since I stopped teaching like two years ago, I don't play so much. Nobody only play on stage, but psh, don't tell anybody. Yeah, right. So, uh, also with Metallica, we don't we don't rehearse because we play. We, we live in different cities. We don't live together. So I mean, other bands they meet once a week and they play a little bit. We, we don't have a chance to do this because we live apart from each other. So we only see us on for the sound check and the show, and we really like. We also see us on on Skype meetings and everything, but uh, we don't live together, so we cannot play just together. Well, that's how bands get along. You're not along 24-7, so you don't have time to fight each other. Well, we, we don't fight. <laughs> <laughs> Good group of guys goes a long way, right? Yes. That's it's always awesome. great to, to see everyone. And we are, like I said, we, we, we meet normally every week via a Skype or, or Zoom or whatever so that we stay in touch also if there's no show in between. Very cool. Because I, I think this is very important because you have to plan the future. You have to make new concepts. What's the next step? What's the next... Uh, yeah, show concept going to be or whatever, what to play and everything. It's it's always an ongoing thing. And Martin, our bass player, he's doing all the booking stuff within the band. We also have some booking partners outside of the band, but he's doing all the in, inside work with, with all the bookers and everything. So he's always busy with the band, always. What shows do you have coming up? Sorry? What uh, shows do you have coming up on the calendar? Yes, actually, we have a lot of shows coming up, but they have got, <laughs> got canceled again. So it's uh, right now it's... a uh, Always, everything is with us, it's locked down again. So we had shows in Hamburg, they are postponed for next year, in Bremen, in Germany. So actually right now, we are hoping that we can play in March again. Okay, good. Yeah, we played last week, but that was uh, one location who was able to do it. All the other locations said, no, we cannot do it because of the restrictions. It doesn't work. Do you guys so, but on? we have some good bookings for the summer coming up, some nice festivals and some... Some, some really good clubs that uh, are on the list for every year, but we hope that we can make it this year to see all these great places again. 
I want to come over and check it out, but I want uh, one condition. I want to get up on the white kit and go You're very welcome to do this. <laughs> yeah. So, but you're very welcome. Come over. You're oh, I'd love welcome. to come over and check it out. I, I don't. I don't need to play a song. I just need to sit behind the the white kit and see the masterpiece that you've put together and go. Hey, are those Mapex stands? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing you, dude. You're very welcome. You can come and check it out. Definitely. How many? Um, I was gonna say. Do you guys do you travel outside of Germany or no? Sometimes. Okay. Um, but we played in Luxembourg. We we played in uh, in Belgium. We played in Switzerland. Uh, we played in Italy. But sometimes okay. also with with, with different. Uh, um, um, setups, um, but uh, normally most of the bookings are here in Germany. And Saint Germany members are at most of your yes. shows. Yes, yes, we always have the first uh, line there with green shirts. All green, two seventy three, really, baby. It's always always great to see them. It's, it's I really 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 like to give a shout out to them. They are really really great people, and it's it's really good to see them at the shows, and they really appreciate what we do. And uh, yeah, it's always great to see them at our shows and also at the Metallica shows because, I mean, they also know that I'm a fan. I'm not just a musician playing some songs. Right. And it's a really great connection between us and them and uh, all the Metallica community. Great people, great chapter, a very well-known chapter. And they put in a lot of work too to be, to be in my mind, one of the top five ones in the world. Yeah, definitely. And you see them always, if Metallica do, does a post about uh, fans, you see my, uh, also St. Germany chapter flex, uh, always. Yeah, there, any promo or video, or there, there's always a spot somewhere for St. Germany. Yes, yes. Speaking of Saint, do you play any St. Anger? Actually, we played Frantic recently. Okay. Nice. But we also played St. Anger back in the, a few years ago. Um, yes. I really like the album. And I really like Dirty Window. When they played it, yes, I really, I really like the song. That's great. I love it. That's. I don't think people realize how heavy that song is live. Yeah, <laughs> I really like the riff. It's cool. It's cool. And I really like the. So the next time you play Frantic, turn the snare off, and that'll be the, that'll be a first for a white Art Star Two kit. <laughs> <laughs> People won't see it coming, right? No. <laughs> Any anything we have not covered that you wanted to bring up? Well, actually, I think we we mentioned uh, pretty much, and I really like to thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome. Thank you. I really like to thank you for your podcast. It's very cool. It's very nice to listen to. Thank you thank for you. mentioning for mentioning me uh, two times before now. Absolutely, and dude. Um, it was it was really great to meet you. It was a pleasure to meet you, Stefan. That was great. That was really great, and that was what what San Francisco was all about. It was meeting people from all over the world, and I mean the shows were great, but also the gathering of the people was also the same the same uh, intense experience for me. Planning on seeing Metallica this summer? Yes, I have tickets for like three shows here in Europe or in Germany, so. I hope that it will it will happen. Which ones? Uh, I have tickets for the Pink Pop Festival, nice. for Hockenheim, and for the for the Werster show. Oh, nice! Very Imagine. cool. Hopefully, no more restrictions, no more lockdowns, and and back to some normalcy this summer. This would be great. I hope Doesn't so too. Doesn't need to be a show. But it's always great to talk to you because you share the same passion that I do, and it's great to talk to people about 
Metallica, Lars, Drums and Music. Hey, as Lars said, we're just getting fucking started. Oh, you yes. got the finger snap. <laughs> you got it, dude. I love it. <laughs> great to see you again. Stefan, take care. We'll see you soon. All right.
It'd be nice if you could pull me into town. My name is Rex. 
if you study with my eight-week program, you will learn a system of self-defense that I developed over two seasons of fighting in the Octagon. It's called Rex Quando. I need a volunteer. Okay, you'll do. Come up here. Bow to your sensei. Bow to your sensei! Okay. Now I'm gonna give you one chance. One chance, people. Give me your best shot. All right, that was pretty good. Okay, now watch this, everybody. Grab my arm, the other arm, my other arm. Okay, now watch this. I'm just gonna break the wrist and walk away. Break the wrist, walk away. Jeez. Okay, it's just that simple. Now, I want you to kick me. Come on, kick me. Okay, do it again. Do it again. Ouch. Okay, you'll block it every time. Have a seat. Now, in addition to what you just saw, if you study with my eight-week program, you're gonna learn these things. First off, Rex Quando, we use the buddy system. No more flying solo. You need somebody watching your back at all times. Second off, you're gonna learn to discipline your image. Do you think I got where I am today because I dress like Peter Pan here? Take a look at what I'm wearing, people. Do you think anybody wants a roundhouse kick to the face while I'm wearing these bad boys? Forget about it. Last off, my students will learn about self-respect. Do you think anybody thinks I'm a failure because I go home to Starlight night? Forget about it. 